from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics with occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, presidents, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by veteran political analyst Bill Schneider, Republican businessman Chris Veronis, George Vialoshin, a lawyer who was born in Ukraine. Brian Castle, in hour number two of four-star wealth advisors, will lead the discussion about the future of the Republican Party. Libertarian Eric Cohn joins us from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we'll also hear from Gerald Pechnik, who is with the LaRouche Pack. And yes, the, Lorind- the Lyndon LaRouche Pack is still around. <laughs> And we're gonna we're gonna hear what they're what they're up to because they have candidates that are running for political office. We come to you tonight from our new home base at AM five sixty, the answer WIND in Chicago and beautiful Elk Grove Village, Illinois. And again, we've got a great guest, two hours, lots to discuss this evening. Always interested in your calls at one eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine. I want to begin uh, with uh, with Bill Schneider. Bill, nice to have you with us. You've been a guest on this program a uh, new times over the uh, uh, probably the last 30 years I think we've known each other at, oh, least, yeah. <laughs> at least that long and uh, uh-huh. Chris Veronis joins us in studio but I want to begin with you since the the, the big story has been uh, obviously the, the speech by uh, President Zelensky uh, to the to the Capitol uh, this week Congress this week in in your memory is there any world political figure that has attained the level of almost adoration and admiration that President Zelensky has received in your distinguished career. Well, are you talking about a living figure? Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody, somebody that you know, I mean, somebody you know that the audience would know or remember. Well, some of us who are of a, are of a certain age might remember a man named Winston Churchill, who mm-hmm. I believe addressed Congress right. uh, maybe more than once. Uh, he was revered and esteemed uh, during World War II and after World War mm-hmm. II when he was a leader of the free world, even though he was voted out of office uh, initially in Britain. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think um, Zelensky is approaching Churchillian levels of mm-hmm. respect and admiration because he's a wartime leader, leader mm-hmm. who speaks for his country and speaks out in defiance of the Russians, who are ancient enemies of the United States. Mm-hmm. Do you think there was a time that Fidel Castro... Uh, held uh, was held in high esteem at least by the media and a lot of of uh, people in 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 television certainly jack parr was one of his big uh, supporters a talk show host at the time uh again not in the same league but uh, uh, he was pretty popular until we found out that he was a communist well that's true but uh, i don't think he was ever held in that high esteem right he was a, he was a figure of curiosity mm-hmm. some respect because he had overthrown a dictator in cuba but uh, in terms of esteem and admiration, I don't think Castro comes close to where Zelensky is today. Yeah, yeah. Chris Veronis joins us. Chris, uh, nice to have you back uh, with us on the Good program. You were a, a businessman and a very successful one in the public affairs field. Uh, you're one of the few people that I've heard as you came into the studio this evening. You're you're not uh, you're not. I don't want to say you're not a fan of Zelensky's. Yeah. But you uh, you sort of panned his speech uh, to Congress. Um, I, uh, am, like the rest of the world, I can't help but admire uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, th- I think that one of the most telling um, moments is when 
And by the way, this was an embarrassment for the United States, let's not forget, mm -hmm. where we went to him and said, we will help evacuate you. Right. <laughs> I'm sending right. the message that you 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 can't last. That was that was day that, one. That was I day think one, <laughs> and and it is it's kind of shameful um, that 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 overture was was extended. And he said, "No, I don't need a, a ride. I need ammunition." Rightfully, and so there's a Shakespeare line about you know sometimes the man makes um, affects times, and sometimes the times affects the man. And I yeah. think just like George W. Bush in the days after 9-11, I, I think you're seeing the same thing with Volodymyr Zelensky. Now, um, a lot but of what courage. About speech? Uh, what about the speech? You, you know, uh, you give him props for what he's done, how he's led the country. This speech, this speech, quite honestly, was sort of a drive-by understanding of American culture and history right now. It was very clumsy. Um, very awkward, where he's kind of summoning the sacred texts and words of uh, American history, like, I have a dream, and then kind of bring it back to him, I have a need, like, you need to send me MIGs. Um, and, and then, it, you know, him saying, um, almost like in a kind of a lecturing kind of way, you know, Joe Biden, you're the leader of America, well, you need to be the leader of the world. I mean, like, do you have any idea that this country has been through two wars for the last 20 years? That's the last thing people want to hear. Now, none of that really matters because uh, there's been universal how acclaim do you think, for the speech. How do, you, how do you think that affects Joe Biden? Because when I heard it, it was like, okay, here's a guy trying to feed something in Joe Biden that makes him yeah, wake up I, and and do a little bit more. I want to I want to get Bill's response but f finish your point and I want to get get Bill's response. How Biden responds to this. Um well Biden, Biden did respond. Um they knew this he was going to address Congress and hours after the speech uh he wrote uh, Ukraine an 800 million dollar check. And so there you have it. Um, the United States is responding. But anything beyond that uh, is really dubious, and I um, would question it severely. Bill, uh, any agreement on any of that criticism of the speech? Well, I don't agree with the criticism that the speech was uh, poor in tone and didn't hit the right notes. I thought it was an effective speech, mostly because of who he is and what he's mm -hmm. doing. He's standing up to the Russians and leading his beleaguered nation, which is much weaker than Russia is. He looks like a valiant war leader who really doesn't have much of a chance of, of winning, and although his chances are getting better. Uh, I think Americans respect and admire him. Uh, Biden is in more of a fix because there's a limit on what he can do and what he's able to do and what politically he can do. Americans do not want to send troops to fight Russia in Ukraine. They simply don't, and he knows that. Uh, so there's a limit on what Biden can do. The problem is... Whenever there's been a threat to world order or to, to uh, humanitarian values since World War II, if the United States doesn't step up and do something, nothing will happen. Yeah. We're trying mm -hmm. to step up and do something now. Imagine yeah. what would have happened if we hadn't done anything when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait in 1990. Nothing. Kuwait would be part of Iraq. Are we doing enough, though, Bill? I mean, based on, on your assessment, because you've seen all these situations before, do you think, are we doing enough? Is there any more, I don't know, rhetorically, whether we can do more? No, uh, well, everyone says, can we send troops? I don't think that's likely or even politically possible. Uh, we've, we're giving a fortune in aid. I think there's mm -hmm. about, we're doing about as much as we can do. The only question Americans are going to ask is, is it working? Is it going to keep Ukraine uh, intact? 
or is, is it still going to lose to the Russians? That would look very bad for Biden. Uh, but, um, what, what, about, are, what about conservative Republicans? When are conservative Republicans going to say, hey, this is costing too much money or going to be asking those questions? <laughs> Chris, <laughs> are they going to be asked? Last I checked, um, the, the, um, the, the threshold of, of what um, is you know acceptable, acceptable, yeah, is getting higher and higher and higher. I think quadrillion is next after trillion, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So I think the 35 billion uh, that we've spent uh, right now is a drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Okay, one eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine from coast to coast and border to border around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. This is Bruce Dumont. This is Beyond the Beltway. We'll be back in just a few moments. One forty-five over ninety-two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty-two over a hundred. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself. I didn't. Now I do. Uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. 
a public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our guest, Chris Veronis in studio. Bill Schneider joins us uh, from Washington, D.C. Bill, as the politics on this are are playing out, um, have have all the sides, do you think, are they all lined up at the moment? Or at at, at what point might there be some criticism or questioning of our current policy? You're talking about Ukraine? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you're hearing criticism from Republicans who had a little trouble getting started because they were in a trap. Trump praised Putin and they didn't know what to do. Right. Because the country is clearly anti-Putin. It's almost unanimous. Okay. I'll give you an interesting figure. Seventy percent of Republicans have an unfavorable view of Putin. But you know what? Seventy seven percent have an unfavorable view of President Biden. So they Mm -hmm. want to criticize President Biden without criticizing his support for Putin, who is widely supported even by Republicans. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what the Republicans have decided to do is attack Biden as being weak. That's his chief vulnerability in this election. He's considered a weak president. Americans say that. Most Americans do not consider him a strong president. And Republicans are going to argue that this entire uh, war is a result of Biden's weakness in, 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 in world affairs. Do you think there's something to that criticism, Chris? I do. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm on the right. I consider myself a conservative Republican, um, d- disaffected, um, but, um, but also generally supportive of the way the president's been, been handling this. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a very narrow real estate he's got to travel on. There's been some, some blunders. Um, I, I just don't understand why Putin gets to decide the red, decide the red lines um, mm-hmm. over the MIGs. Um, what, why are we voluntarily saying out loud the quiet part, what we won't do? Um, whatever happened to that language, you heard Liz Cheney say it this morning, all options are on the table. Why aren't we, why aren't we using that language? Why aren't we trying to put Vladimir Putin off balance? Well, he also mentions, Biden mentions World War Three more often than I <laughs> Than I think he should. I mean, he seems to be reminding yeah. people that that's, you know, one of the options. I think that's one of the reasons why there is some reluctance yeah. on the part, uh, because people are not looking for that. But uh, the, the, the language means a lot. And to what extent for the future of the party bill has the vice president and her conduct uh, and, and rhetoric uh, abroad, uh, ha- how badly has that hurt the Democratic Party, if it really has hurt the party? Well, I'm not sure it's made a difference at this point. But a lot of Democrats, when they stop to think about it, they realize that Biden is almost 80 years old. He'll mm-hmm. be 82 in 2024. He may decide not to run for a second term. He may not be able to run for a second term, in which case Kamala Harris, the vice president, would succeed him as president. And if he does decides not to run in 2024, she is very likely to be the Democratic nominee. So there's a lot of discussion of her qualifications, her lack of qualifications, her lack of national experience. She is respected in California, uh, where she has a good yeah. record as a prosecutor. But uh, she's pretty much unknown in the rest of the country. And, of course, being an African-American woman uh, is something unfamiliar to a lot of Americans in a lot of the country. So I don't think uh, opinions of her are very strong. 
but they are not a big plus. She may not be respected in the White House. Um, you know, their their knives are out for Kamala Harris in certain corners of the White House. Um, the, I mean, uh, aside from getting uh, like a political impossibility that is immigration that was given to her, mm-hmm. that was put into her portfolio, she was sent over to Poland. And then the White House tweeted out, she has no negotiating authority, like pulling the rug from mm-hmm. underneath her. Um, there are people, uh, you talk about Democratic infighting, I think there's an example right there in yeah. the White House. Well, I think if you if you mm-hmm. got a group of Democrats together and they were all off the record and had a couple of belts in them, I don't think there's too many of them would say that she would be a strong standard bearer in 2024 if Joe Biden, for whatever reason, decides not to run. Bill, do you agree with that? I mean, would, would there be a strong Kamala Harris cadre in politics that would be r- rallying around her, or would they all be looking for an option that they could uh, work around? And and if so, Blacks who, would what rally would that option her. be? Blacks would rally to her as a, uh, she would be the second black president. A lot of women would rally to her around mm-hmm. the country. But liberal Democratic women would rally to her support. She, I think she would get the nomination if, if it's open in 2024. Vice presidents always do, except with one or two exceptions, like Dan Quayle, who ran for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, was he was getting nowhere because he was running against George H.W. Bush's son. That right. meant the whole yeah. nomination was blocked. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, no, I think Democrats are not optimistic about her prospects, but they might see her as inevitable. Yeah. Right. So there, there isn't a road for a Pete Buttigieg who has been uh, given a lot of uh, you know positive uh, promotion by the the national media. There's, it would be interesting, but I don't I don't see an obvious road. If no, she runs, if him, Biden no. does not run and she runs, it'll be a competitive race as it always is. Mm-hmm. But the vice president always wins. Look, Richard Nixon after Eisenhower, mm-hmm. Hubert Humphrey after Lyndon Johnson, Al Gore after Bill Clinton. Uh, the, the vice president, if they run, get the nomination. Would you be looking, looking your, would you be I, licking your chops for I that? Would. <laughs> I absolutely would. Um, she's a horrifyingly bad candidate. She didn't even make it to Iowa. Um, she had mm. to bow out. And she became the vice presidential nominee because she checked all the boxes. But what about all the and historical points that Bill just well, made? The, mean, well, uh, the, those, I mean, black Democratic uh, primary voters have proven to be more pra- pragmatic um, than they're given credit for. I mean, it they voted for the, the dead man walking, Joe Biden, in the Democratic primary mm-hmm. this year. And, you know, quite frankly, if you look at history uh, for some kind of evidence for the future, the last three Democrats who won the White House were dark horse political outsiders, all of them, all of them. No one counted on Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, or Barack Obama to come in and win, win the primary and the general election. Is there a role for Hillary Clinton, or is she uh, deader than a doornail, Bill? She's pretty dead. She lost, remember. An embarrassing mm. loss. I know how that happened, by the way. Yeah. I went around the country and I interviewed Democrats before the election, yeah. and they all told me everywhere the same thing. They didn't like or trust Hillary Clinton. They didn't really want to vote for her for president. But you know what they kept saying? She's going to win anyway. She doesn't need my vote. <laughs> so a lot of them just didn't bother to vote. And look what mm. happened. Yeah. I think her time in the national spotlight is pretty much done. 
Uh, I, I mean, maybe there will be an opportunity for her as a former mm -hmm. Secretary of State uh, in world affairs and as a spokesperson for uh, women's interests, but I don't see her as having a real political future. Do you believe that Ukraine uh, is likely to be a dominant issue when voters go to the polls later this year? Bill? If it's absorbed by Russia, yes. Absent that, I'm not. I don't. It's impossible to predict. But if it becomes part of Russia, it'll be a real embarrassment for Biden because people will say he was too weak; he couldn't do anything about it. Has he been weak or has he been slow? And I, I guess there's a similarity the between those thing. words. I guess <laughs> slow is 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 weak. I mean, uh, are there things that he could do? Uh, that would change that around. I mean, if if for if for some reason he were to come out and and change his mind on a no strike zone or release all those planes that I guess is still uh, a possible operation, would would that perceived weakness uh, change around if he suddenly became uh, you know a more player uh, a bigger player insofar as uh, you know military munitions were concerned? Well, if, if uh, Ukraine survives as a sovereign, independent country and the Russians have to retreat, uh, even though they may claim parts of Ukraine, I think Biden will look pretty good. I don't think he'll look like a victor in this, but he'll look pretty good. That's about the best he can hope for. I don't think the election is going to be, be defined by Ukraine. Mm -hmm. depends on something that's unpredictable, what happens on the ground in the battlefield. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now... When you ask people what they care about, they care about inflation and gas prices. Mm -hmm. Chris? Uh, um, what people know about Vladimir Putin is that he's ruthless, bloodthirsty, and thuggish. You know, right. I saw a documentary uh, a couple nights ago, and I was reminded of uh, there was this uh, a Chechnyan terrorist uh, takeover of a school. Right. And there was a thousand children uh, held hostage. Putin sent in the army. More right. than three hundred children died. Right, died. This is this is who we're going up against, and when you have Joe Biden, um, you know, kind of chewing his words, not being able to get a full sentence out. I, I think that um, there's a, a contrast, you know, and I, I think that lingers in the, the back Russian, of people's do minds. Do the Russian people know that story? I mean, how much of his thuggery is known by the average Russian in the street? Well, a lot of them know it and they like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> a, a, a lot that's of them, a majority we don't know, but but yeah, the I mean it's not hidden. Yeah, it, it, for almost five hundred years, it, you've had a uh, strongman cult of personality in this mm -hmm. country. Um, it, it's 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 in the genes, you could say, from yeah. Ivan the Terrible. Okay, you, you mean to, in Russia? Okay. I, I'm sorry, yes, no, Russia, no, no, no. from Ivan the Terrible to present. So that is a source of pride that this sort of national strength Putin plays to it. But, you know, you're also seeing remarkably something else I think Vladimir Putin didn't uh, account for, the protests. I don't think he realized. Yeah, that's new. I don't yeah. think he realized that there was going to be protests in the street. Yeah. People risking their own livelihoods. The reporter who, who stood up behind the, the TV commentator, uh, she was on the television today with George Stephanopoulos. And I, I <laughs> thought she was, uh, she, she was very powerful. Uh, She's not running off to France, yeah. uh, where, it, where asylum has been provided. She talked about her children. She wants to stay in Russia. She talked about her decision to do that. And again, uh, uh, whether, uh, obviously, a lot of people saw that on, on their television sets. 
So uh, whether this thing continues to grow uh, is one of the most interesting things for us to watch uh, in the coming days. Bill Schneider and Chris Veronis join us. I'm Bruce Dumont. When we come back, we'll have a special perspective from a gentleman who is from Ukraine. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back when we continue uh, in a moment. I want to, uh, to welcome a new guest, but I want to give an opportunity to those that are with us now to take a few moments and briefly introduce themselves. And we're going to begin with uh, Bill Schneider, who is a well-known name. But uh, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now and uh, some of the uh, activities that you've been involved in recently, Bill. <laughs> well, I just retired from university teaching. Uh-huh. I was at CNN for over 20 years. Uh-huh. And then about 12 years ago, 
I retired from CNN and started teaching at George Mason University mm -hmm. in the Washington area. I just retired from teaching, but I'm going to continue teaching a, a, a lifelong learning course, it's called, mm -hmm. for adults. Mm -hmm. And I write a column for The Hill, the newspaper of Capitol okay. Hill. So Very I good. continue to be pretty active in following politics. Very good. And uh, Chris Veronis joins us in studio. Chris? I'm Chris Veronis. I'm a uh, principal at ESAP Communications Group. It's a public affairs uh, communications shop here in town. Um, you know, been a legislative staffer in, in um, the state legislature mm -hmm. here, occasional blogger. Moderate Republican and, or conservative Republican? Uh, conservative Republican, um, Trump skeptic. Uh, actually, okay. I, uh, I would say a, a post-Trump Republican. Well, Post-Trump Republican. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in our number two. The future of the Republican Party will be a topic in our uh, number two. But uh, I want to welcome now uh, via phone uh, George Velocian, and uh, he is a, a good friend uh, of, a, of a good friend of this program, Joe Morris. And uh, when I asked Joe if there was anybody who was uh, born and bred in uh, uh, Ukraine, who would be a good uh, guest to to join us? He recommended George. George had numerous uh, high-ranking uh, positions in the Reagan administration. But uh, when George and I spoke this afternoon, George, you wanted to make a special point because there's been so much focus on uh, Vladimir Putin and what he does next. You were telling me that your concern is the future of Zelensky, what he does next, the pressures that are specifically on him that may not be known by the outside world. What are they, in your opinion? Well, and thank you very much. Good evening, Bruce. Thank you very much for inviting me to your wonderful and informative program. Um, Manchester. I think that the, uh, that the main points of pressure on uh, President Zelensky most of the people in the audience have already had a chance to see him on various occasions to speak directly um, over the video. And I think they have a, a, a very, very good feel as to the kind of truly compassionate and courageous leader he is who had a chance early on uh, uh, to, um, I think, his, his famous statement, um, which was... Uh, uh, give me, give me ammo. No, don't give me a ride. Uh, we'll probably go down in history. But the pressures that he has on him, as you can imagine, are enormous. On the one hand, Putin is constantly uh, um, uh, urging and pressuring him to make major concessions that would impact on Ukraine's sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity. And um, Putin is making it very clear in many of these diplomatic uh, discussions that those are the bottom line and Zelensky would have to go with it if he wants peace. On the other hand, you can imagine what, what kind of pressures Zelensky is under when he looks out the window and he looks uh, at, the, at the video and he sees the, the massive destruction and the massive carnage and, uh, and, and, and all of the sacrifices and death uh, and wounding that, is, uh, that Putin is inflicting mm -hmm. on Ukrainians. And now he's caught between these two issues. On the one hand, he could have peace very quickly if he caved in, but he would then put Ukraine's future under a very large question mark in terms of whether it would be able to retain its, uh, its independence and sovereignty 
um, for the uh, for the longer term. On the other hand, he's basically looking at the uh, at the numbers at all the people who are being killed and and bombs raining on them, and he obviously feels very very strongly. Anybody who sees him uh, will will recognize how much humanity and compassion he has. Do you think? Uh, so, do you think there are those uh, in Ukraine, um, those that obviously are very concerned about the the death and the, and the destruction of the cities and the people and and the refugee situation? Um, at at what point might he get a sense that the populace of the nation is beginning to become a little less uh, sure about victory? And more concerned about the things that you just referenced, the, the destruction of cities and, and, and the murderous activities and the loss of their friends and neighbors. I mean, at some point, it seems to me that public opinion could turn on him. Or am I, is that just an outside Western perspective? Bruce, no, no, it's a, it's a very, it's a very reasonable and a very astute question that you're raising. And you know something? <laughs> I am just as amazed as you are, because as a matter of fact, I even read some surveys, uh, I think it was earlier this morning, in which as many as 93%, 93% really is a huge amount, 93%, despite all of the bombings, despite all of the destruction, losing their homes, um, trying to get many of them to the, to the West to have some refuge in Poland and so on, 93% would not want Ukraine to give up its territory and its sovereignty uh, if, um, uh, you know, even at the price of peace. Mm. And the determination is so strong that I think uh, you really have, uh, will, there will have to be a much larger number of people who may be killed, who may come close to the point that you are suggesting um, uh, that they may be may be heading toward. I want to I, I want to ask Bill Schneider for for his uh, perspective on this. Bill is uh, what is the likelihood that popular opinion and pressure from uh, people living in, in the West, putting on their political leaders uh, a, a sense that they want those leaders to press uh, Ukraine, either to press them to uh, capitulate, give up Crimea, or give up some of the things that Putin wants for, just because those people that are watching these images, again, from the West, they become tired and worn and depressed at all of the carnage that they're watching on their television sets in the West. I mean, could that political pressure not be coming from the Ukrainian people on Zelensky, but could it be coming through the Western leaders because of populations located in the West, including the United States? Unlikely. Remember, mm -hmm. we have no forces on the ground in right. Ukraine. That could happen if we were fighting in Ukraine, and the fight looked uh, like it was a stalemate and we couldn't win, then Americans would tire of it, uh, and they would put pressure on Ukrainians to make a deal. 
they'd like to see them make a deal now, but there's not a great deal of pressure for the for Ukrainian government to give up. Remember, Zelensky has a price on his head. Putin will destroy him. Putin destroys all of his enemies. Putin is the second incarnation of Joseph Stalin. And Stalin said when he was the uh, premier of uh, the Soviet Union, he once made a remark early on uh, to Lavrenti Beria, the head of his secret police. He said, the man is a problem. There is no man. There is no problem. That's the way he feels about mm-hmm. uh, about Kalinsky. Uh, he, he, he wants he I wouldn't put a lot of money on Kalinsky's survival. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Veronis has a question for you, George. The, more of a comment, and that is, I'm sure the world is going to become appalled about what we're going to see, especially because Putin is going to become increasingly desperate. Um, but um, you have to give props to Zelensky for his courage, but the people on the ground, men, women, unbelievable. I mean, like the, the, the these images of husbands dropping off their oh, wives and their children at the border and going back. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, I, it matters much less what the world's appetite for destruction is versus the people who are actually fighting it. And they're mm-hmm. showing, they're showing in the entire world, we're going to fight. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I'll tell go you. Go ahead, George. Go ahead. Uh, there's something, there, there was a very interesting number that I saw uh, several days ago um, that uh, uh, 350,000 up to that point, 350,000 Ukrainian men who had earlier made their way to Poland with their families, came back in order to be able to go ahead and join the fight for Ukraine. Now, uh, many of us may not fully comprehend, uh, you know, what kind of person would do that, would basically go into such a difficult war zone with so many uncertainties and put their lives on the line, even though they already were in the safety of a Poland and with their families and could have set up a very comfortable life in the West. But you know, Ukrainians had, had gone through such a extraordinarily difficult period during the Soviet era. So many, oh, yeah. so many people were sent to the Gulag. So many people were starved to death. Eight million Ukrainians were starved to death. And then, and that continued from the time, uh, from the early 1920s, actually, from, from around the, the Russian Revolution. George, George, we do have to pause now. I want to continue with that. And also, I want to ask the question, uh, those uh, Ukrainians who are being moved out of Maripol and taken back to Russia, what is what is Putin's idea to do with the people that he's capturing and making prisoners of war? We'll do that when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
we all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7 confidential support. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our broadcast. Uh, I do want to go back to uh, George Voloshin uh, and ask uh, the question that uh, probably people don't want to ask publicly, but I'll do it. Uh, What happens if something happens to President Zelensky? How do you think the people react? Uh, What about the leadership of the country? Take us through what you think happens next there should that uh, horrible thing happen, George. Well... You know, the people have essentially um, recognized uh, and and have unified behind the current government. Um, they uh, it's not only President Zelensky. President Zelensky obviously inspires them, but the but the people that he has appointed and who will be taking his place if anything happens to him um, are also very very competent and very strong patriotic individuals who the people trust. Um, because of the availability of um, uh, uh, Mr. Musk's 
uh, Skylink program by which he essentially is able to maintain an internet mm -hmm. uh, that unites all of Ukraine. Okay. Uh, it's going to be extremely difficult for the Russians to try to uh, uh, simply eliminate the leadership and expect the people to lay down their arms because there are uh, a, a large number of people who are now in a position to maintain the fight, and they will continue the fight. But does Vlad, George, does Vladimir Putin understand that? Does or you know he he's Mister Old School. Does he understand well, that you know that uh, in in his mind you, you you chop off the head, you 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 lose you you lose the future. That he doesn't think about some of these other uh, possibilities of martyrdom. Well, you know. Uh, Vladimir Putin, even though he has been regarded as a genius by some, the fact of the matter is that he has shot himself in the foot so many times, uh, in, in, and you could put it correctly, not only is he old school, but he looks at the world through the lens of 30 and 40 years ago. And it is a very much different world out there now. He is used to essentially using very strong repressive measures to keep people um, uh, under control and under submission. Uh, that no longer works anymore because there are various, uh, uh, there's, there are numerous sources of information mm -hmm. now available that in the past were not available to inspire or make the people feel that they are a part of a larger uh, resistance to to authorities. Bill Schneider, I have um, a que I have a question for Bill, and I want everybody to respond to it. But Bill, uh, you know, in the last seventy two hours, there was this big rally uh, that that Putin had. Uh, was was that an indication that he was aware of, you know, twenty first century, uh, you know, uh, political rallies, all of you know what Trump does, or was this, in his view, uh, view old school? And thinking that it was what Hitler did, I mean, did I don't think of it? any previous Russian or Soviet leaders having rallies. Very, very few czars had rallies, yeah. and very few Soviet leaders had rallies. So who, uh, he who, who was he copying? with him that he he is still an influential and popular figure in his country. And the polling I've seen shows that a majority, not a big majority, but a majority of Russians do support him. Let me give you two things that could happen that could change everything. Yes. One, he uses tactical nuclear weapons out of desperation. If that happens, I think the United States would be horrified, and we would probably get uh, directly involved in the conflict. Uh, or chemical weapons. He has chemical weapons, and he could use them. If he does that, the scenario of the whole war would change. Second possibility, I've been hearing talk from a lot of people uh, who have been covering Ukraine that uh, the Russian troops are not being well supplied. The supply lines are very insecure, and they're get, not getting food, water, weapons, whatever they need. The supplies are, being very, are now very scarce. It, there is a distinct possibility we could see some Russian troops defecting from the front lines, defecting in Ukraine, defecting around Ukraine. If that were to happen, it would change everything. George, your reaction to those two assessments from Bill? Well, I think Bill's assessment is extremely, extremely uh, accurate. Um, the um, uh, the defections that Bill is referring to 
have actually been occurring very steadily and in large numbers. In fact, um, about two days ago, a battalion of Belarusian Belarusian troops uh, who had not yet entered Ukraine, uh, but who were pressured to go ahead, and these were Belarusian special forces. In other words, these were true, true, uh, uh, very heavily trained soldiers. They basically refused to go into Ukraine. Uh, uh, these are some of the problems that, that sometimes we Americans don't understand. Right. Is that there is a great deal of uh, unhappiness with Putin, even though the majority of people do support him. Let me just explain that the rally, that the rally to which um, you referred, yes. was a rally which was very cleverly staged because... It was a rally to celebrate the eighth anniversary of the annexation of Crimea. From the Russian perspective, they always felt that Crimea was part of, of, uh, of what belonged to them. Of course, there were many previous owners in Crimea, and if anybody has any long-term claim to Crimea, it's either the Tartars or the Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. But for about 150 to 200 years, the Russians were, uh, were, were dominant in Crimea, and it was a playground with the beaches and so on. So that the rally was staged for the purpose of, uh, of at, at the same time, while, while they were commemorating the uh, eighth anniversary of the annexation of Crimea, the, uh, the government also included right. the continuing support for the so-called special military action. Okay, so people might have come to the rally for a different purpose. George, on that moment, we are on that time, we're out of, moment, uh, out of time. Uh, George Voloshin has been our guest. Thanks very much. Bill Schneider, always great to have you with us. Thanks very much for being with us. Chris Veronis, you'll continue with us in hour number two as we talk about the future of the Republican Party. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. 
If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our number two of Beyond the Beltway, wherever you're listening from coast to coast and border to border. Nice to have you with us. Chris Verona is from our number one. He continues with our number two. Did such a great job. He's joined by Brian Castle, who joins us in studio. They are both Republicans. And uh, we're going to talk about the future of the Republican Party. There there may be a little difference between our two in-studio guests. But uh, joining us uh, uh, via Zoom, we have Eric Cohn, who joins us from uh, the great state of Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Gerald Penchik joins us. Uh, He is in Oakland, California. And uh, Gerald is unique is that he is with LaRouche Peck. Now, you may not have heard the name Lyndon LaRouche for a long time. You're going to hear a little bit of it tonight because it's Gerald's position that Lyndon LaRouche planted some seeds many years ago, and those little seeds have turned into seedlings and they've grown, and uh, there is a movement that believes in the policies of Lyndon LaRouche that are part of, in his opinion, the rebranding of the Republican Party. And he will talk about that. And I know he's going to stay on camera throughout the entire show, Gerald, because I just saw you move out and we thought that maybe you had been taken away by the secret police. But nice to have you with us. Uh, missed. I'd like, to, I'd like to begin by, by asking each of you to give me a, a short version of what sort of a Republican you are, if indeed you consider yourself a Republican anymore. And Chris, I'm going to start with you, because uh, you have been uh, an outspoken anti-Trumper. Um, well, I, you know, Bruce, I've eased up on uh, Donald Trump. Um, and I, I've always tried to make a distinction between Donald Trump, the candidate and president, and his supporters. Um, there's a crucial distinction there. Um, so it's the supporters I, I, you don't like. No, um, I I think the Trump uh, nomination and election was a primal scream that mm-hmm. was building for like you could say twenty years um, since the turn of the century. Um, so um, I've I'm, I'm on the right, a conservative mm-hmm. Republican. Like one of my uh, 
like fondest memories was having dinner with William F. Buckley at the University okay. of Illinois. Um, was a big fan of Jack Kemp, if people remember that name. Um, he was the running mate for Bob Dole. I would classify myself as like politically homeless. I, I think the Republican Party is in search of its soul right now. Brian Castle joins us. Uh, he is a wealth management expert with Four Star uh, Wealth Management. He also has a, a, a new. T- he's a he's a ward commit a Republican ward committeeman in Chicago. He's taken on the task of rebuilding the Republican Party, and he deserves some sort of a, a medal for that. And, uh, Brian, uh, nice to uh, have you back on the program again. Uh, how bad. would you describe yourself uh, as a Republican? So I'm definitely a partisan, but I'm uh, more of a moderate uh, Republican. So, But at the same time, there's certain conservative candidates that a moderate can support. So I'd, I did support Trump when he ran, mm-hmm. obviously, and when he ran for re-election. Um, but not, in, but we'll but see but not initially. Not, uh, who were you for not initially? initially? In right. So I like I like Scott Walker initially, and okay. then and then Chris Christie, and then I ended up voting for Kasich in the in the primary. Mm-hmm. But you know Trump won nationally, and then everyone in the party gets sure. behind Trump. So sounds good. Let's find out uh, from Eric Cohn. Eric, I, I have always introduced you as a libertarian on this program. You were once upon a time a talk show host at this station, WYND. Um, are you still comfortable with the label libertarian, or is there a little piece of you that's got uh, Republican written on it. I, I worked at one point in time for the Cook County Republican Party, so I had the great pleasure of working with uh, people like Brian when they were ward committeemen. It's a thankless job, and he should be commended mm-hmm. for doing it, especially in the city of Chicago. Uh, for yeah. the majority of my life of political activism, the Republican Party has been closer to my political positions than the Democrats are. Uh, it has gotten distinctly less so over the last five or six years. I find more about the Republican Party to be disgusted with than I did for the 10 or so years that preceded that. Um, so I, I, I'm, it wouldn't be beyond me to vote for the Republican nominee in uh, 2024, but it'll depend greatly on who that person is and what that person is going to represent, uh, whether it is going to be this kind of continual, continued paying of fealty to Donald Trump and uh, his sensibility, or if it's going to be an attempt to interpolate and bring in some of what we learned from the Trump experience and try to move the, the, the Republican Party forward and try to move the political right forward. Uh, Gerald Petschnick, let me suggest to you that if you keep uh, looking into the camera, it will make a much greater presentation. But uh, is it is it wrong for me to have identified you that there's there's strains of republicanism in your background, or are you all LaRouche? Well, if you look at the history of the United States, and I'll be brief and summarize I it. I hope so, if you're looking at the whole history of the United States. <laughs> yeah, I, I can summarize it. Um, we started off with the George Washington. We had one party, and he warned against you know factionalism. We built up a system called the American System, of economy, it was in our veins, it's called Alexander Hamilton, and it's called the American system based on a national bank, based on a commitment to manufacturing, based on a commitment to credit for production as opposed to speculation, and based on increasing the productive powers and the creativity of the population as a whole. Mm -hmm. That policy of Hamilton, Washington, was continued by John Quincy Adams, 
who founded the Second Bank of the United States. Where do you find yourself, Gerald? I really, I, I must tell you that I'm getting a little bit bored with your history lesson. Okay. And we've got okay. we've got other people it's, that want to offer called, their opinions. It's so go Abraham ahead. Abraham Lincoln. I remember that. Greenback now policy, that now we're in the Donald 18th Trump century. Let's move forward. And Lyndon LaRouche, sovereign Why nation, do you, state, credit, and no Why, wars overseas. Why do you believe, That's as you've said thing. to me, as you've said to me off the air? Why do you believe that there are elements of the Republican Party today whose antecedents go back to Lyndon LaRouche, and you've made the point that there are supporters of Lyndon LaRouche that are running for political office this year, and uh, are they identifying themselves as Lyndon LaRouche supporters, or are they masquerading as conservative Trump Republicans? Well, I got involved in California, where I am, in the Recall Newsom movement at the behest of some of the leading people in it. Okay. And their their answer to your question is, we welcome LaRouche Pack because Lyndon LaRouche was attacked by, you know, Robert Mueller and the same people attacking Trump. People like Roger Stone, for example, have who met LaRouche back in the Reagan days say that the LaRouche uh, campaign against the globalists, the trilateralists, the Council on Foreign Relations, people of that ilk, the liberal globalists, was the basis of Trump winning the election. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can give you more evidence, but that's... Does anybody... In, in does anybody be, uh, Eric, is there a little piece of that that you might believe as well? But that uh, the, this strain of what LaRouche was talking about many years ago, and by the way, we should mention for those around the country, uh, I believe it was 1986, L- the LaRouche group in Illinois, they won statewide primaries for lieutenant governor and secretary of state. I mean, they, they became a big problem for the Democratic Party, which is when Gerald and I first met each other. But, uh, Eric, is there any strain of that that you think is, is real? That's the question. We do have I... to pause. We do have to pause. Even though before we pause, I want to say that if we were to make a poster of the perfect podcaster, it would be Eric Cohn. He's got the microphone. He's got the windscreen. He's got the plaid shirt. He's got the beard, the glasses, and the brains. We'll hear from him when we come back. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back, and uh, we're talking about the future of the Republican Party, and I had asked a question of Eric Cohn after... uh, giving him a flowery introduction. So, Eric, back to you. Um, are there strains of LaRoucheism in Trumpism? Well, Bruce, thank you for that uh, kind description and uh, <laughs> the check is in the mail. Uh, I, I would say that um, look, some of the things that uh, Gerald talked about there uh, certainly are present in our modern political discourse. The skepticism of international institutions is obviously there. But to attribute it to Lyndon LaRouche, I think, is uh, a, an incredible stretch. It, to say that, you know, uh, Booth, Berg, and Jan and uh, Hamburger Helper share some common ingredients that they're thus comparable meals, it doesn't make any more sense to me than saying Lyndon LaRouche seeded what uh, we're experiencing right now. I think we've seen both in the Republican and Democrat parties over time at different points, skepticism of the same kind of transnational institutions. So I, I don't know that I can attribute it to anything more than something that has run through the American political ethos for a very long time. Is it possible to recreate, Chris Veronis, uh, in 2024, the level of enthusiasm or the level of disgust with politics 101 in the body politics to re-energize uh, the base in the country that elected Donald Trump. Is there a way to do it again without it, him? or uh, Well, w- with him. Do you need him to recreate the spirit? Because I mean, what, what, whether you hate Donald Trump or not, Donald Trump is one of the most significant political figures in the history of this yeah. country. What yeah. he was able to do was remarkable. Yeah. The question is, yeah. can that remarkability be recreated do you need him or can you do it without him um 
the the first um, qualification for running for president is um, otherworldly ego. Mm-hmm. And what's incredible is that Donald Trump, a man who hasn't even um, said that he was running in 2024, um, every potential candidate says, if Donald Trump runs, I will not run. That's incredible. That's astounding. Mm-hmm. And that's a hat tip to um, the, this candidate, the, the former president, um, about the impact that he's had on American politics. He can energize the base without question, even, even in, the, in the re-election, as close as mm-hmm. it was. Um, you, you know, the most racist president, as we were told, improved his standing um, with, with blacks, Latinos, mm-hmm. uh, in with minority groups. It's really incredible. And, and so I don't know if there's another candidate who can energize the base like him. You did have a, a one <laughs> not insignificant problem. 16 candidates running in the primary. Right. That all cut up the vote. And Donald Trump, all Donald Trump had to do is get 23, 24% of the vote, and he walked right well, through that Well, it looks prim- now, uh, Brian, there's not going to be 16 because virtually all of the obvious candidates have said they wouldn't run against Trump. Sure. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, we're really focused on 22 right now. Right. So, um, but, you know, a lot of things can happen. There, people could say, maybe I am going to run. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. I mean, let, let's, but do you uh, think we want to focus on 22. At, at the end of 2022... Uh, and we'll, we'll know where we are with the midterms because right. Donald Trump has gone out and he has endorsed candidates. Yeah. Gerald Pechnik has endorsed some candidates as well, uh, and we'll hear about that in just a moment. But he has endorsed some candidates, and I assume that when the results come in in November, he's going to look at his list. Where did I win? Where did I lose? And uh, he probably already has his game plan in, in his mind, right. but he'll be able to rationalize why he does A or why he does B. Sure. Does anybody disagree that that's sort of the MO? He doesn't have to do anything before, between now and November, other no, than just stay relevant, have rallies, stay relevant. Yeah. And, and oh, his yeah. candidates could lose, too. Oh, yeah. And he'll well, find a way to rationalize. He's, not, he's, yeah. he, he, he's fine. And also, yeah. Yeah. he's making some changes. Again, he's, he's, having, he's having second doubts about what happens in, the, in, uh, in, in, in Pennsylvania and also in Alabama. He may be backing away from that. Uh, Eric Cohn, go ahead. Uh, you're going to get the results of those things well before November, because what is interesting about Trump's endorsements are the impact that they have on the primaries, right? Yes. It, in most of these cases, these are not for uh, competitive races that are going to be really up for a decision in November. Right. These are going to be whether a more Trumpy candidate or a less Trumpy candidate is going to be the Republican standard bearer in election. The Republican is likely to win. It is interesting that he has not endorsed anybody in the Ohio Senate race because all the candidates have been absolutely falling over themselves and embarrassing themselves to try to get his endorsement. And I think it shows on his part a little bit of understanding that if he picks somebody and they don't win, that that is uh, a diminishment of him and his political authority within Mm -hmm. the Republican Party. I think he's hesitant for that reason, and he probably should be at this point. And there's also an issue as to where he really is going to be in Pennsylvania, which is another one of the really big open U.S. Senate seats that there's been reports that uh, uh, the former first lady uh, really likes Dr. Oz, but uh, he's already sent signals uh, that there's somebody else in that race that uh, that he might prefer. But he may be backing away from that. That's what I'm just saying is that this. But but again, th- those are issues where I think what happens in November is, is gonna is going to be important because if you go into that race with the imprimatur of your Donald Trump's candidate. 
in a general election in some big states, that might be the kiss of death. Um, it, although his picks in it, uh, Georgia, David Perdue, right, right. not doing so well. Nope. North right. Carolina, not doing so well. Yep. A friend of mine who is a, a political consultant and is running some races made a really good point. Um, with the um, today's Republican primary voter, there's so much allowance that's given to Donald Trump. It doesn't matter if his candidates lose or not. Um, Trump's word is what it is with the primary voters. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it really matters at the end of the day. Um, people like Purdue. I think what. Do you I think, think to be very clear here that the thing that's important and the thing that matters with Donald Trump is not really who he endorses. It is who he attacks. So right. I don't know how much his endorsement, yeah. how much weight that really carries. I think we're definitely seeing that in the, what you're pointing out, Chris. But when he goes after somebody specifically, yeah. um, that does have an impact and that does mobilize base voters against that person. Right. So yeah. the motivation for other candidates out there is not as much to try to gain his endorsement is to just make sure that he doesn't declare thermonuclear war on. Him. Right. Because he ma he makes that person famous. He gives that person, uh, you know, reason to get up in the morning because uh, that that person's going to be on TV and is going to be beloved by uh, by some people. Certainly, uh, the, the rhinos within their party. Back to you, Gerald. I want to talk about uh, how how many races around the country has the Larouche Pack made an endorsement, and at and at what level are you making your endorsements? Well, I uh, just want to make one point on the question just asked. Um, we had a few of our people at the CPAC, Conservative Political Action Committee Conference mm -hmm, right. in uh, Orlando in the recent weeks. And if you look closely at that, not just who does Trump endorse, but who, who does CPAC people endorse, Trump got 5% more support this year than he did last year. Uh -huh. We, we uh, spoke to not just the marquee uh, speaker, you know, people up on the stage, but yep. a lot of hallway discussion. And uh, that the weekend of that was when the uh, the Ukra the uh, Russia military incursion into uh, operation in Ukraine started. We found, especially among the young people, uh, a sense that Biden wanted a war because his support is nil minus. That is the Green New Deal they couldn't pass, you know, this whole uh, COVID lockdown sort of dictatorial edict stuff f fell apart. So they needed a war and they did everything not to accommodate the red lines Putin had given them back in December, which meant no Ukraine and NATO. And then Zelensky at the Verkunda meeting in Munich said, Ukraine's going to be in NATO. So someone hasn't gotten the thing, the uh, the script right, because uh, I just say one other thing and then leave it at that. The Russians uh, launched off two hypersonic missiles in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. If you go back and look at 2018, when Putin announced this, uh, no one in the West wanted to believe they could do it, and they've done it. And that question of science and physical economy and production which we've ignored with this money 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 economy trump is a builder he's for he's for rebuilding the sovereign industry manufacturing of the united states 
And what we got right now under Biden is called hyperinflation, 40% increase in new car prices, mm -hmm. food, you know, rents, everything is going up in smoke. So I think the Republican Party, to answer your first question, is going to be a blue collar party. That's what we're asking. Do you agree with that, Brian? You, you, yeah, I, I want to get reactions. because no. we're conspiring with Trump. No. It's no. because of what makes sense. Blue collar thing? No, I mean, I said, no, I think your point, okay, I, I, think, I think your point about rebuilding the party is more of a blue collar party, but Brian, uh, how well, do you feel about that? Well, there are clearly many workers that are joining our party because right. the Democrats used to be for workers, they're clearly not anymore. Uh -huh. uh, so, yeah, I mean, those people, union. we have union members joining our party. We have the hospitality union in Illinois coming to the Republican side. The, the, the police unions were always somewhat with us, but now they're outwardly with us. So, yes, I mean, the uh, workers are with us. How are, how are members of the traditional Republican Party, and this is for everybody to respond, how are members of the traditional Republican Party, the, 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 they may be non-Trumpers, they mm -hmm. may be John Anderson Republicans from 40 years ago, uh, they may be called Country Club Republicans, sure. How comfortable are they as a group? How comfortable are they with the blue-collar movement within the party that seems to be uh, coming to the fore? That's the question for everybody. When we come back, we'll get your response. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border around the world. I'm Bruce Dumont at BeyondTheBeltway.com. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive. But our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. 
Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I say Bruce Dumont back uh, with you on uh, basketball weekend. I hope your teams have all yeah. won. I know my team won this afternoon. Right. Duke won this yeah, afternoon. Illinois did or not. Illinois lost. <laughs> Illinois, well, you know. Illinois was ahead by only 30 seconds in one game, and that was it. So that's not exactly a oh, well. great record. But maybe next year. Uh, uh, we have our uh, final four here uh, this evening. Uh, Gerald <laughs> Pechnik joins us. Uh, he is a member uh, of LaRouche Pack. He joins us from the beautiful city of Oakland, California. Eric Cohn joins us, and he joins us from Grand Rapids, Michigan, home to the Gerald Ford Presidential Library, which is a very interesting and very well done presidential library, I might add. Chris Veronis joins us from across uh, the table from me, as does Brian Castle. They are both Republicans from uh, Chicago, and we're talking about the future of the Republican Party and, and how they survive and how they figure things out. And uh, uh, the question that I will ask everybody is, uh, um, does, does somebody have to get into this primary and challenge Donald Trump, or do you think that this is going to be a coronation? And if there is a coronation, is that good or bad for the party? Brian. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's good or bad. I mean, we'll see what happens if Trump actually does just cruise to victory in the primaries or not. You know, people aren't stepping out and saying they're going to run yet, but there could be candidates that run against him. Like who? And, uh, well, I, I, I'm not going to get into a bunch of names here, but I think there are people that could step out. Nikki Haley, for, for one, mm -hmm. you know, she's kind of gone against him a few times. So there's a possibility of some people. Chris, um, I don't think Pence is co Coronations, by definition, in this country are always, always, always bad. Yeah. There cannot be a coronation. And I think one of Barack Obama's, like, best um, lines in the uh, 08 campaign is, like, this isn't a nation that's built on dynasties. Um, because what, what you were looking at was the uh, potential election of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Which George H.W. George Bush... 1988, all the way through, right. two families. Uh, if Donald Trump wants the nomination, he has got to earn it. And uh, I, I think, I think there is an opening for one, maybe two candidates to come in and test the the effectiveness uh, uh, if Trump's up to it. Gerald, do you agree with years. that? Uh, does Does Trump need some challenge in this, and 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 not uh, a cakewalk? I think you're already seeing the challenge. You see what Liz Cheney, Adam Kinsinger, or even Lindsey Graham 
are doing. I mean, Lindsey Graham uh, came out and said one of the most outrageous things I've ever heard. He said that President That's Putin just today. That's just today. Yeah. He says something so, every other day. Go ahead. But but n- n- none of those candidates are going to run against Trump. Uh, n- n- right. None of those politicians. No, no, I'm saying that wing of the party. Uh, uh, Brian mentioned Nick, Nikki Haley. That that's from the same cut of cloth. No. These are the neocons. These are the rhinos, and people have had it with them. Liz Cheney and her dad got us into the war in Iraq, as okay. Trump correctly said. It's the biggest mistake right. we ever made. Eric- now they want to get us into war in Ukraine. Are they out of their mind? They got, okay. you know, they got missiles that go at hypersonic speeds. Mm-hmm. They could hit us too, and we couldn't do anything about it. Eric, so Eric, you got to be out of your mind. I want to get, or you've come to the conclusion that Liz Cheney is out of her mind. There's a lot of people that would agree with you. A lot of people that would not. Uh, Eric Cohn, um, what about uh, uh, the importance of having some sort of a challenge to uh, to Trump? You, you okay, a so, phenomenal challenge. Yeah, let's 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 back up a little bit here. Um, one, we do not know for sure that Trump is going to run. I have my skepticism that he's actually going to do it. But let's assume for the sake of this argument that he is going to run. Um, everybody presumed, as uh, Chris had alluded to in 2008, that it would be a coronation of Hillary Clinton. Everybody assumed in 2016 it would be a coronation of Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And there were challengers in Barack Obama and Bernie Sanders that nobody really expected to do as well as they did. Um, politicians are incredibly selfish and self-interested it would be an absolute shock if nobody got into the race against trump just because trump got into it himself Uh, of the people that we have talked about that we have noted and i will note that nikki haley is one of the people who said Mm -hmm. that if trump runs she will not uh ron desantis has avoided answering that question i think if trump runs i think liz cheney does get in not really with an eye towards trying to win but with an eye towards trying to mess with donald trump and distract him as much as she possibly can Mm -hmm. i think once you get a couple of candidates into that race, more candidates are going to get in. So if Trump does run, I think you get four, five, six candidates potentially running against him. Mm-hmm. That will be good and healthy for the Republican Party. Uh, but hopefully, and they, what they need to do is avoid the 16 candidate race that yeah. they had last yeah. time. Yeah. Um, they're too weak again, to avoid that by pressure, but we'll see if it actually ends up coming But again, out if, if, if five people divide the vote, uh, Trump's going to win anyway, right? I, I mean, don't know five, that. Five, I, I five, don't know that at all. Okay. Not necessarily. Oh, you okay? You, you think, not necessarily. Five yeah, is I mean, I think five Donald is Trump 16. is a very dedicated no. base of support, but yeah. the idea that there is the entire base of the Republican Party is as equally infatuated with him as that dedicated sliver mm-hmm. of it is, uh, I just don't think is true. And I think the repercussions of the way he lost in 2020 are going to ring with a lot of those people who say, "Yeah, I prefer him over Biden, but really, I want somebody else now." All right, here's a question for everybody. We're going to start with you, Brian, because you're the closest to me. Um, of the 16 people who ran for president initially against Trump in 2016, who at this moment is the most viable candidate in 2024? And you can define viability in any way, but who's who's still out there as a, as a serious challenger? Chris Christie. Chris Christie. He could run. Absolutely. Okay. All right. He, That's Chris Christie right. is your answer. Out of 2016 or just the entire field? No, no, no. 20, the, 2016. In other words, they, uh, these are people that, that harbored a desire that they wanted to be president. They got in. Most of them got their butt uh, handed to them by yes, Donald Trump. But how many of them are, uh, you know, they're a few years older and wiser and they may think that there's an opening for them? I, I mean, Chris Christie has been angling 
um, angling, positioning himself. Um, Book tour. Yeah, 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 triangulating. Um, uh, But honestly, aside from him, I'd say nobody. Nobody. Uh, Gerald, just to to the question that was asked, please. No history lesson. Who is it? Uh, Is there anybody in the class of 2016 that you still think is viable to challenge Donald Trump? Order order one for president. I think the exact opposite to what what has been said is the case. The 75 million people that voted for Trump, my experience is many of them were very upset about how the contest ended and Biden being in the White House. And instead of looking for someone else, they've decided to get more active. They've become precinct workers. They've become poll workers. So is your answer, Gerald, is is your answer to the question that was asked about 2016 field, who's viable, is your answer nobody? None of them. The support for Trump is even deeper and greater and increased, not decreased. Very good question. I'm I'm glad we finally got an answer. Uh, Eric Cohen, my question to you. Is there anybody that's viable in that 2016 field? All right. Well, back here on Earth, um, I, I also want to say I just can't believe there's no love out there for George Pataki. Um, <laughs> I, I think the Chris Christie answer is probably the most uh, sensible one if we're limiting ourselves to the 2016 field. Uh, I think Marco Rubio also does have a political future, although um, I'm, I'm less impressed with him than I was when he was yeah. first elected. Uh, mm-hmm. But from that 2016 field, I don't see a lot of other people other than those two who would have any real serious chance. Mm hmm. Okay, well, by the way, I, I think I would agree uh, for a variety of reasons that Chris Christie uh, might be uh, someone that could be an interesting challenge because I think part of, of the, um, the appeal of Donald Trump is the bravado of Donald Trump, the right. big, you know, roly-poly. Well, he's not roly-poly, but he is to some point. He's, he's getting there. <laughs> but I just think, you know, that 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 brash northeasterner, which I think uh, I think that Chris Christie thought he was going to be that guy in 2016. Yes. Only he found somebody that was bigger and brashier than he yes. was. Yes. But yes. I think that having watched him on on ABC and the way he answers <clears throat> his questions and the way he stands up. Uh, for the party and Republican principles, I could I, I could see that there's some Trump people that uh, might say, you know what, th- th- this guy can get in there and punch somebody in the nose too. Absolutely. Uh, so I would say that uh, again, if if we were limiting it to just the 2016 people, I would say yes. And and I I uh, uh, I have admired Nikki Haley from afar. Uh, but I think in recent months, uh, when I've seen her on television, I have uh, I've left wanting. Yeah. She's missing something. Yeah. There's, there's there's not a, you know, yeah. she's well, no Carly Fiorina. No, not at all. <laughs> well, similar to what Eric said, you know, we we see things in the prism that we see right now, and right now it looks right. like Trump is going to run to the to the nomination. Right. No problem. He but, may not run. Let's go to Jenny. He's going to give us a quick question from Austin, Texas, KLBJ. Jenny, are you there? Jenny, are you there? Uh, first hour. Yes. Yes. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I want to say that I feel like I'm politically homeless now. I am a 
radical liberal, uh, vote Democrat most of the time, unless there's just somebody there that, you know, on, you know, that's running that I just can't handle and I right. just don't vote at all. But, um, you know, right now with Biden, I did vote for Biden. And, um, I've, you know, I mean, he has screwed up everything from not having enough COVID tests to treatment. I was sick with COVID in January, like a lot of people with Omni. Mm-hmm. No COVID pills and no monoclonal in Austin, okay. Texas. Where everyone's moving. Jenny, when we come back, Jenny, one second, Jenny, Jenny, I've got a break for commercials. When we come back, we're going to go back to you. I want to know what alternative do you have, do you support to uh, Joe Biden? You're not happy with him? Who else excites you? Back shortly from Chicago. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family and community lending their strength and support. Join the voices for recovery. Together, we are stronger for 24 hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders for you or someone, you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hurd-Garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. 
Bruce Dumont back, and uh, Jenny from Austin, Texas, joins us. Uh, Jenny, uh, you're not excited about the president. Uh, you're a liberal, so you're not excited about too many Republicans. Uh, do you think it's time for Kamala Harris to seriously uh, think of challenging Joe Biden? Absolutely not. I would never vote for her. She, you know what? No connection, no genuinely, no genuine, yep. you know, uh, words come from her or Biden. Yeah. You know, I know this sounds crazy, guys. I'm a, tradi- you know, I come from a traditional Mexican family. Yeah. Um, half my family voted for Trump, and the other, all of us, the rest of us voted for Biden. Now, now nobody likes Biden, and everyone's disgusted right now what's going on with Ukraine. And I, you know, those one of your guests earlier said you'd have to be crazy to even, you know get in this war because they have this, you know, hyper missile, the missile yeah. that, you know, so we wouldn't we. be able to fight it back. And I, my question to him is, why don't we have that missile? You know what? Yep. We're, we, we, I feel like we're in a weak nation. We're just, it's scary to live in the United States now. And I, I, I'm, you know, if, if Trump does want run, I will vote for him just to get Biden out. And if he okay. doesn't run, I would hope that DeSantis, I like, I like, I, I think he's bold. Mm-hmm. Don't agree with him all the time, but Good. he's pretty damn bold. Okay. Anyway, that's Jenny. Yeah. Thanks, thanks very much for joining us on Sunday night in uh, Austin, Texas. Always great to hear from those listening to us on KLBJ. Um, uh, just a moment to, to speak about DeSantis. Uh, I had a well-known conservative Republican leader on this program in the last couple of months. And uh, it was said during the program that, in her opinion, obviously, I think I've just given it away, she thinks that DeSantis could beat Trump in a primary. Hmm. Does anybody want to nod yes or no to that? Possibly. Possibly. I think so. I don't think so. I would like to see that happen. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, thanks very much for your call, Jenny. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on this program, I made a, an aside, which uh, was not really fair. I made a comment that the, there's no such thing as the Republican Party in uh, Cook County or Chicago, that it was deader than a doornail. And again, that was uh, a comment that, that was my assessment at the time. And I my, my, my opinion hasn't totally changed yet, uh, but my eyes have been open. And uh, Brian Castle, who joins us tonight, he is active in trying to put a real live Republican Party back together again. So congratulations on trying to bring a two-party system back to Chicago. But um, how do you plan to do it, and uh, is it going to need a lot of money to get it done? Well, it'll need a lot of money, but also a lot of volunteers, just like any other political party Mm -hmm. would. But we're getting an outpouring of support. We walked in the recent parades, and people are cheering. Meanwhile, they're, they're throwing things at Pritzker and... Lightfoot, they had to get off the, you know, they have to get off the floats mm-hmm. and everything. So, so people are cheering us. I'm getting cards from people along the parade route. It was really an extraordinary mm-hmm. outpouring, and we're getting people from all over the city who are calling us and saying they want to be part of it. In Illinois, uh, what is the relationship between the city party, the city Republican Party, and the county of Cook, which is the largest county in the state? Sure. Chicago. Well, in, you know, in the past, maybe it wasn't very tight. But I know working with Sean Morrison, the county chairman, and Steve Bolton, the city chair, we're all working very closely together on mm-hmm. building this, rebuilding this. Don Tracy, the state chairman, has done a fabulous job in bringing all the groups together. And so has Steve Bolton. So Steve's idea was to create clubs around the city. And so he asked me to be a president of the Northside GOP club. So we have 14 wards, and we have a committee for all but one of the wards, and that will be done by next week. So 
we're, we're really building a huge team. And that's a, the same thing that's going on nationally. The Republicans a, are getting huge support nationally. Once upon a time, the Republican committeemen in Chicago, in Cook right. County, yeah. were not really Republicans. They, were, right. they weren't even rhinos. They were, they were really Democrats in sheep's right. clothing. How are you avoiding that now? Well, we're, we're vetting everybody else that we put in as a committeeman now. Uh, there, there were some rules put in place to, to require that committeemen uh, who serve in that role have been, you know, voted in certain certain number of primaries prior to that. But it, most importantly, though, we're vetting them out to make sure they're really on board. Could and you frankly, be a Trump they, supporter? Sure. Okay. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a big tent. You can be a supporter of any Republican. You know, we're going to have a primary in twenty four, and whoever emerges is going to be our our candidate, whether it be Trump mm-hmm. or somebody else. So we're really focused on twenty two. Really, is what I'm I'm driving at right now. And so you're looking and you're that. looking for to make to make Democratic congressional races more uh, competitive. Well, the secret to Illinois turning red is keeping everybody very busy in Chicago. We, we may not win every race in Chicago, but we might win a few, but we're going to keep them very busy in Chicago the with race, candidates across the board. The primary, which is in June, June 28th, Correct. it has an, uh, a large number, I think you know five or six Republicans running for governor, Correct. and an equal number, maybe even larger, running for the U.S. Senate right. primary to take on, uh, you know, the current senator, uh, Tammy Duckworth. Um, by having such a multiplicity of primaries going on, mm-hmm. does it make your difficult, uh, it make your job more difficult, or is it easier? Well, it's only in those races. I mean, most of the yeah, down ballot races. Well, they're big and they're important races, but it'll be over by June. Then we'll all coalesce, we'll open the doors, and we'll all come out in the same direction, and we'll all support that candidate. So we're all focused on getting a Republican to be the governor and Republicans throughout the, sli- throughout okay. the state. And uh, is, is, is a Trump-backed candidate for Secretary of State, which handles elections in Illinois, mm-hmm. this has been happening around the nation, mm-hmm. that that seems to be a pet uh, statewide office for Trump, because mm-hmm. he wants to control of the election machinery, mm-hmm. and has that uh, is that apparent in Illinois who that candidate is? It is yet? not. It is not. Okay. What would you peg <clears throat> this newfound energy to? Uh, I think people are just fed up with what's going on in Illinois well, in and nationally. Chicago. In the Chicago, I mean, it's a complete disaster. We, I mean, Mayor Lightfoot's, you know, apparently got, you know, a very big something. It, and is, uh, is this it, is the it, kind of... this Is, is it Lightfoot or Pritzker? Pritzker, is it Lightfoot. Pritzker it's came in with great promise, and he's done nothing but keep the old game going. He even claims that he got federal money. He claims he did something with the budget. It's worse than before. Everything, everything is worse. They've done nothing positive and everything negative. And then they ran the whole COVID program, and everyone's very disgusted with all that. Okay. So, so what, what we look forward to, again, as we sort of wrap up this segment, is we look for the ongoing battle between uh, the, the, the Trump wing of the Republican Party mm-hmm. and the traditional wing, which may be called the country club wing, and the question of the suburban Republican. And, uh, and now the workers. And now, and now, the, now workers, the workers are the, coming over to the us. Blue, so. The blue collar. And the blacks are coming in our direction, yours, and the Hispanics are coming your, in our direction. Yours is a blue collar effort. And Gerald Pechnik's is a blue-collar effort as well. Yes. Uh, Gerald Pechnik, Eric Cohen, uh, Chris Veronis, and Brian Castle have joined us tonight on Beyond the Beltway. Fritz Goldman has been here as well. He's been awake for the entire two hours. Uh, So have I. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thank you. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. 
She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.